Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview Tyler and Jenna and talk about what they should do with their large cash reserves and if they should be active or passive investors. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen, and joining me today is my Tesla loving co host and husband, Carl Jensen. Thank you for having me. Do I get a Tesla for appearing on this show? I've told you to buy the Tesla. <laughs> I am not the reason you don't have a Tesla, mister. Okay. When it, When are you going to buy it again? Uh, soon, soon. Soon. Yeah, That that is not very time sensitive. Soon. All right. I'm going to stop harassing him and tell you that Carl and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world in your Tesla, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your Tesla dreams. Wow. Sounds like somebody else needs to launch himself towards his Tesla dreams. All right, Carl, I'm not going to uh, harass you anymore. Next up is the segment of our show called The Money Moment, where we share a money hack, tip, or trick to help you on your financial journey. And today's money moment is actually kind of uh, fitting for us. Don't be afraid of flipping. And we're not talking about flipping houses. Did you know that certain VHS copies of movies like Back to the Future are selling for hundreds of dollars? Your local thrift store sells vintage items like VHS, record players, records, or cassettes. Some of them may be sought after on eBay or Etsy. With a little research and some digging, you could find some items worth buying and reselling at a higher price. Do you have a money tip for us? Email moneymoment at biggerpockets.com. All right, Carl, I am excited for today's show. Tyler and Jenna have a good set of problems, but they also need some guidance on where to invest their money so they can reach financial independence a little quicker. Yeah, this is a, an interesting one because looking at their spreadsheet and their application, to back up a second, some people are just VTSAX, other people want to do real estate, some people even have a very specific niche within real estate. But with Tyler and Jenna, they're all over the place. They're willing to try a little bit of everything. We know they have index funds. We know they're considering Airbnbs and they even have crypto. So very experimental. Yes, but I think that they need a little bit of guidance for their large cash reserve. So I am excited to bring them in. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. 
This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Tyler and Jenna are a married couple with a brand new baby. Jenna is an artist who has her own business, and Tyler works in technology. They have a strong financial position, but are not sure how to optimize it and what they should do with their large cash reserve. Tyler and Jenna, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm super excited to dive into your numbers today. Great to meet you, Mindy and Carl. Great to meet you both. So happy to be here. Uh, let's start off the show with a little bit of your money background and a little bit about you guys. Sure. I can start and then maybe you can fill in. So our money background is vastly different. Mine to mine to wifey's here. So uh, mine, I'm very much the finance numbers, nerdy kind of guy. Grew up in finance, worked in finance for a big chunk of my career and uh and i i spend a ton of time in spreadsheets i love budgeting i love forecasting i worked in financial planning and analysis for a period of time and so numbers actually give me a ton of energy <laughs> um and and yeah so the last 10 years of of my career i've been in in tech and finance and so i've been very career oriented and focused on growing that and over the last few years, we've gotten to a place with um, personal finances where we're in like a happy place and ready to dial up investing in a in a bigger way. And so we're trying to figure figure that out. But maybe I'll back up a little bit and let Jenna kind of speak to her background too. So I'm the opposite. I went to school for art, um, art major, and unfortunately. Um the majority of art majors, they're not really taught numbers or business, which is so silly because if you want to be an artist, you essentially need, you are essentially a business owner and need to know your finances. So, um, I never like finances and money wasn't really top of mind for me. I was like, Oh, if there's money in my bank account, I'm doing great. Amazing. And I really wanted to focus more on my business, take it full time. And he was like, well, in order for you to be successful and really like go all in, you have to be aware of what's coming in, what, you know, money you're spending on, forecasting, budgeting, all these things. And so, yeah, we make a good match because we're very opposite, but together we make a good team. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm very much more aligned. I'm still learning. And so that's why I'm really excited to be here and learn more. Um, but, um, it's, it's hard for me, finances and, and all that, 
all that number stuff. It's definitely challenging. I'd rather be doing more creative stuff. Um, and that's that's my story. I'll pump her tires for a second. She's come an incredibly long way in the last three years since she went full in on entrepreneurship. We look at our numbers every month. She does her revenue journal. She understands the stuff. And it's uh, we have like a good relationship in the sense where like she brings me down out of like into reality and like reminds me to you know live my life instead of living in spreadsheets. <laughs> and uh, and I can help her with my spreadsheet stuff. Well, speaking of spreadsheets, that's actually a really great natural segue. I have your spreadsheet, which is filled with numbers, but I'm going to highlight just a few of them. So your money snapshot looks a little like this. We've got a combined salary of approximately $15,000 a month, which is awesome. We've got bills that hover around $12,000 a month on average. And that average word is going to come back a little bit later. So we've got food and eating out about $2,000 a month, shopping about $800 a month, entertainment $550, utilities almost $600, uh, auto $800, home on average so far this year is $6,800 a month. So like I said, it hovers around $12,000 on average, but you have some up months that are a little bit more or a lot more. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. Um, investments. I have an after-tax brokerage of $25,000, 401k of $182,000. That's awesome. HSA of $8,000. Crypto, $10,000. I reserve judgment. And uh, cash savings account. This is the big the big one. You have $185,000 in a high yield cash savings account. So uh, spoiler, we're going to be talking about that. And debt, I see one mortgage of $440,000 at 3.55% interest. I think that's an amazing rate. And if I were you, I wouldn't pay anything down on that. Uh, so I have some goals here to talk about that cash reserve, talk about your budget, talk about the difference between active and passive investing to reach financial independence. Yeah, Sounds amazing. Sounds great. So Tyler and Jenna, your snapshot looks like you're in a really good financial position. Uh, what can we help you with? Yeah, overall, our goal is to bring our, our projected FI like date inward. So right now, if we're trending the way that we're trending, we'll reach FI in somewhere between 15 to 20 years. We want to pull that into under 10. We want to do that because we want to prioritize flexibility for our family. Uh, I'm creative. Wifey is creative. And so we want to spend time creating unencumbered necessarily by the financial impacts, uh, you know, and opportunity costs of our time. Um, and so what we really want to do is kind of run you through our, our high level strategy and then the tactics that we're using to, to get there to that, like to a, to a closer FI date and get your feedback. And, and yeah, hopefully you guys can poke some holes in our, our thinking and maybe uh, tell us some things we don't want to hear. And what is your FI goal? I don't think I saw it on the spreadsheet. Do you, do you have a number in mind? 4 million. 4 million. Okay. So you'd have to roughly, you have about maybe $400,000. So you'd have to 10 X what you have now to get there. Yes. Okay. So tell me what you think you want to do with your money. And uh, Carl and I will sit here and listen for a moment and then give you our feedback. Cool. So our, our strategy kind of bakes down on, on three key pillars, manage expenses, earn more in our careers, 
and invest passively. So uh, on the managing expenses side, you, Mindy, you kind of mentioned some of the lumpy expenses that we have and some of the buckets, like we can d- deep dive into some of those, but basically like managing our, our spend down over time um, and just around the edges. There's like always improvements that can be made there. Um, earning more in our careers. So I work in tech. I have high uh, growth income potential, uh, both on like cash compensation and on equity compensation. And so, you know, continuing to keep an iron in that fire. And Jenna's business, do you want to talk a little bit about how your business can grow? Yeah. I mean, just ways that I could, you know, continue to work smarter, um, not harder. So, I mean, for me, a lot of my business, I'm in the wedding industry, and I've been noticing just like weddings for me has just been really, really successful. Um, you know, little time goes into events like that and I get way more in return. And so maybe focusing more on that as well as other ways to just generate um, income without really thinking about it. So maybe licensing, more prints, like just things in my business that I could just kind of fine tune. So, yeah. Yeah. So, she, I mean, there's a lot of room, I think, to grow in, mm-hmm. in both of our like Earnings potential, I think, is the punchline there. So that's uh, earning more in our careers. And then finally, investing passively. So we spend a lot of time thinking about art, thinking about tech. Uh, and we have a new we have a new baby boy. So he's also taking a lot of our time. Um, and so that doesn't leave a ton of <laughs> time to, you know, invest in flipping houses and like that kind of stuff. And so the the passive mechanisms that we've decided to work on are, you know, just good old fashioned indexing for now. And then we're just about to make our first syndication, real estate syndication investment, and we're evaluating some short-term rentals as well. Um, and so those are kind of the three major buckets. Maybe I'll stop there and see if you guys have any questions first. Oh, so many questions. You want to manage expenses, earn more, and invest passively. We're going to start with managing expenses. And when I was going through your uh, spreadsheet that you shared with us in preparation for the show... One of the things that really struck me is that you have only 15 categories on your budget. And if anybody was following along last year, when Carl and I were tracking our expenses, we had like 30 different categories. And that doesn't mean that our way is better. Our way is just different. And the reason that we had so many categories is because if I need to cut something some of the categories are easy to cut. Like we have a pool in our backyard and we have parties. So when I buy supplies for the parties, I put those in the parties category. If my budget suddenly gets tight, I am canceling my parties or having more potluck parties than me hosting everything parties. Um, I have a, a, a line item for alcohol. If the budget gets tight, that's like the first thing to go, the second thing to go. There's so many easy ways to make small cuts when you have such a granular uh, tracking of your expenses, which is also a complete pain in the patoot because you have to track every single thing. So I can see why you have a f- fewer categories than we did. But one thing that I would suggest is if you want to manage your expenses, truly get in there and see where your money's going. Like, Food and dining, that's easy to lump together because it's food that you're consuming. But it's also easy to separate this is groceries and this is going out to dinner because going out to dinner is going to be more expensive than making food at home. So if you're looking to cut back, oh, we spend 
$1,000 a month at restaurants. Maybe we'll cut that back to $750 this month and $500 the next month, unless that's like your big thing and then there's something else to cut. But it's easier to make small tweaks or, you know, even big tweaks when you have more information. I'm a big fan of the data. That makes a ton of, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I totally agree with you. Uh, there are some line items hidden on the document or no, not hidden. They're grouped. So we actually budget on uh, 125 different categories. Oh, that makes my heart sing. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. That is, I saw all these little plus signs and I don't know enough about this spreadsheet. Yeah. You hit the plus sign. It expands them out. There's categories on categories. Jenna can tell you all about the categories. <laughs> we, we sit, we sit together every month and we look at, we look at those um, exhaustively actually. That is fantastic. No, that's great news. And for the sake of this conversation, I don't need all of that information. But for the fact that you have it, that's awesome. Now, a homework assignment would be to review all of those categories and ask yourself, is this truly where I want my money to be going? I mean, you make a good salary. You don't have to live on $1,000 a month. But is $12,000 the amount of money that you want to be spending? Does that feel like the right amount for you? And that's more of a homework assignment than a, I need an answer to that. That makes sense. We have some like big rocks, I think, in the, in the spend that make up, you know, over two quarter or two thirds of it, right? Like our, our mortgage is, is high. Uh, it's just south of, or just north of $3,000 a month, which is relatively high. Now, uh, then also we both want to continue to work now that we have a child. And so we have to pay for daycare and daycare is not cheap either. And so you think you take daycare, uh, housing costs, and then food. Uh, and that's like over two thirds of the budget right there. Right. Um, and so that is one thing, right. Is like bringing in the FI date. Yeah. We could drive that stuff down by like figuring out a different housing situation. That one's tough for us because we just bought this house it's basically our dream house. We love it. Like we want to stay here. And so like taking that as a given, like, can we still get there? And this is maybe where you guys may tell us something that we don't want to hear is like, okay, fine. But like to get to your goal, like you may have to reconsider that house. Well, here's the thing. You've got, what did you say? It was a $3,000 a month mortgage payment. Where are you going to go for a lower mortgage payment now that interest rates have gone up so much, I think there we're going to start seeing a lot of people who might have a higher than they want mortgage payment, but that's going to be the lowest option they have for a long time. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very good point. I, I totally agree. We feel, we feel lucky that we have the rate that we do uh, in, in the place and we're in the place that we want to be. And think that's and so we want to build a plan around that so it's a very good point yeah i think that's a lot of money but i i also think it's really incredible that you're this young and you're in pretty much your dream house and the location you want to be it sounds like y'all value that a lot and if you do uh, i would suggest not moving staying there you're already set that part of your life is all, already taken care of cool yeah let's talk about so we talked about three different things the first one was your budget the second one was increasing your income. Uh, do y'all have a plan for that? And to back up a second, y'all have a pretty healthy income already. It's good. What would you do to increase that? I heard one hint of maybe short-term rentals, but so would the increase in income come through your jobs or from other sources like Airbnb or both? Both for sure. So 
first and foremost would be our would be our jobs. I, if I stay the course in my job, I will make more money. I have stock based compensation in the companies that I work for, and so there's potential for some if there are liquidity events down the line, like some some windfalls that could come our way that could expedite things. And so, want to ensure that I just stay on that path. And then, Jenna, I don't know if you want to talk about. Like, no, I mean, I think I touched base on it a little bit before. Just like I want to still work, but like just do less and make more money. But like, who doesn't? It's like <laughs> <laughs> I have something for you, Jenna. Have you heard about printables on Etsy? Uh, no, I have not. Tell me more. Oh, okay. This is this is a homework assignment for you. It is practically perfect for you because you are creative. And you want to work less and make more money. Who doesn't? So, okay, printables is kind of just what it sounds like. It is something that I buy a file that Jenna has created and I buy it on Etsy. I pay her, I don't know, three bucks, five bucks, whatever. And I download this file and then I print it out at my house on my own paper, however I want, however many times I want for bachelorette parties, for birthdays, for, you know, baby milestone months. Like, you know, you just had a baby. Here's a picture of my baby at one month. Here's a picture of my baby at two months. And you do this cute little thing. You can't just write two on a chalkboard, Jenna. You have to buy this thing. You print it out. You put it on paper. You put it next to the baby and then you can have these, these, um, wonderful pictures for every month of your baby's first year. But they also do a ton of stuff in the bridal, like invitations and uh, save the dates and, you know, a whole look for your wedding and bachelorette parties and, you know, bridesmaids or bride, bridal showers and all the things that you need to, to, you need to have a successful wedding is available as a printable on Etsy. And you create this once either you do it or you hire a designer to create this and then you put it on Etsy and you wait for people to download it. And I have a friend, uh, Carl and I have a friend, Cody Berman, who is making thousands of dollars a month by selling these items that he has designed once and put up on Etsy. And then they just sell over and over again. And if you can get like the more things you get on Etsy, the more chance you have to hit on a winner. Because, I mean, you can put something up there and not one person buys it. You can put something else up there and, you know, 20,000 people buy it. It's it's kind of hit or miss. But there are courses out there to help teach you, you know, keywords and, and you know, take all of the guesswork out of it. There's also you could just do it yourself and, you know, figure it out yourself. But that is a great thing for you to do a lot more research into is called uh, the the printables on Etsy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mindy. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know about that. And cause I have my own website, so I'm not really on Etsy, but it's one of those things where, especially where I offer prints, like just getting more eyes on my product. And that's just like another way to do that. So that's great. Thank you. Yeah, that is, um, I mean, I, I, I've never bought a printable, but I really love the idea. Um, when it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet 
help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, invest passively is the last one. You talked about index funds, you talked about syndication investments, and you talked about short-term rentals. Short-term rentals are not passive. They are passive-ish. They can be passive, but one of the biggest problems with a short-term rental is finding a cleaner. So where would you have this short-term rental and who is going to clean it are my two big questions for you. My retired parents. (laughs) Do they know that they're going to be cleaning it? (laughs) They do. They're looking for something to do. Uh, No, no, no. In all, in all honesty, um, yeah, that, that's, that's a big consideration. Like there's, there are two different short term rental deals that we're evaluating right now. One is actually to buy my childhood home from my parents, which is a, on a beautiful property. Uh, It's on the Northeast and we we could potentially split it into two different units and i think it's a very desirable like rental location both summer and winter months um but 
yes, we would need to consider uh, get lining up cleaners, lining up property management, like those kinds of things, and making the numbers work for it to for it to actually cash flow. Um, but uh, but yeah, th- this is this is actually gets to maybe like a broader question that I have too. Is that like we're not um, we're not like dogmatic about the the types of asset classes we invest in. Uh, like really looking at a short-term rental deal or are, you know, doing our first syndication investment, we're just getting comfortable with what these things are, the level of diligence that we need to do on these types of investments. Cause we don't know, we've never done them before. And, uh, and there may be, you know, asset classes that I haven't thought about that Jenna hasn't thought about that, you know, we should be looking into more given our situation and the fact that we do spend so much time, you know, on our careers and less so on in investing, I'd love your guys' take on that. Uh, you know, it, it like, yes, we want real estate exposure because yes, the, like the out, the long-term outlook on real estate, uh, is good because of all the supply problems in the country, et cetera. Um, but am I missing anything? <laughs> you know, are we missing anything? Like, I don't know if you have any thoughts. We'd love to kick around ideas on it. Yep. I'm curious. I'd like to back up a second. You have some in investments through. A 401k, I'm going back and looking at uh, the numbers here, 182000 in a 401k. What is that money in? Primarily VTSAX. So you are a believer in, in, in index funds. You know all about that type of thing. Yeah. Simple Path to Wealth. It was a great book. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you're on top of it. You're on top of it. You're looking to diversify perhaps a little bit more beyond that. And I think you're going to have to because one thing about your numbers is you want to 10x your money in 10 years. And if it was just in VTSAX and we're looking at doubling like every eight or nine years, that's going to be, you needed to double at least three times. So you're looking at a 30-year horizon. So you're going to have to do some extraordinary things if you really want to get to that 4 million in a decade. That's uh, extremely aggressive. Yeah, I like setting aggressive goals. (laughs) There there are like some... um... There are some caveats uh, to to that aggressive goal. Like I had mentioned stock-based compensation earlier. Like if one of the companies that I've worked at has a liquidity event, that could accelerate us very quickly towards uh, towards that 4 million number. However, those are, uh, I try not to plan around those <laughs> because like, there's a lot of risk factors, right? Um, I'm really curious. The one thing that uh, that gives me, a lot of anxiety looking at your numbers is that $185,000 in cash. I, I know it's in a high yield savings account, so you're probably making like four and a half, five percent but why do you have all that money in cash? Uh, yeah, a few reasons. First and foremost, a big piece of it is earmarked for the syndication investment that we haven't made yet. We just got the offering docs today. So uh, 30K off the top will go directly into that. Uh, we just bought a car as well about a week ago. <laughs> so uh, we needed another vehicle because we have a baby. So that was another 15K. We bought a used car. Um, and then like we have a high cash balance because the last two years have been a bit chaotic, honestly. Uh, we moved across the country. We bought a house. Uh, I work in crypto and the crypto industry has been very tumultuous for the last two years. And so there's just an element of um, kind of safety in carrying a high cash balance. I like to care, like we have a high burn. And so I like to have at least, a, you know, a year's worth on on hand. And so I think all those factors kind of are leading to a, the, the higher cash balance that we have at this period in time. And I'm super curious about syndications because um, we've done a lot with syndications, but they're more 
I would say they're an advanced uh, method. Uh, what draws you? What drew you to syndications? Yeah, the notion that getting getting good at evaluating syndication deals uh, it actually can be more passive than like actively managing a short term rental or or long term rental from the, for that perspective. That and <clears throat> I have a couple of relationships with property developers and and sponsors that I that I trust, uh, and so. I've talked to them a lot about the things that they have going on. And uh, I know like one of the biggest pieces of investing in syndications is, you know, vetting a quality sponsor. And so I feel like I do have that. I've spent a lot of time kind of learning about syndications over the last six to eight months uh, in, in preparation for making our first investment there. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Okay. I'm super happy that you actually know a lot of the syndicators. We've probably done uh, between 10 and 50 syndication, 10 and 15 syndication deals. And, and out of those, I don't think, uh, I'm trying to think, I, I don't think anyone has, no one has performed exactly how they said they were going to perform. And a lot of them weren't doing so hot. And then COVID happened and we made the money on the back end when, when they went to sell. But the interesting thing is I, I found about syndication deals is they're not going to tell you, oh, our numbers might, might be okay. Like, no, they're going to give you like these crazy numbers. And sometimes if they're not local, especially if they're not in your area, it can be very difficult to vet, but they're never going to tell you. They're just going to do okay. They're going to shoot for the sky and, and put that all in the numbers. And, uh, Mindy and I were talking about our syndication deals. The interesting thing is I think all of them without exception have outperformed what they originally said they would. And some of that's because of COVID and all that. But the other thing is, Zero of them outperformed VTSAX. So take that for what, for, for what you will. But I do like it that you know the people because that's so important. And I think I would say for me personally, that outweighs the numbers, knowing that you know the person and um, having that kind of feel for them. I, I think that's super important. Yeah, that's that's really helpful helpful perspective. I I do think of it a little bit as a YOLO bet still because it's a uh, you know you're you're right. It's like a more advanced mechanism. It's our first one, and it's uh, it's a new development project. So this isn't like a value add. Uh, so there's just inherent risk in the project in and of itself. But you know, going back to the ambitious goals, um, we can afford to take you know, a big swing and take some, some risk with some of the money and, uh, that, that we do have on hand. And this, this seems kind of well aligned to that. So it doesn't seem like you are an accredited investor yet. Do you have any, uh, trepidation going into a syndication that is traditionally a, a an investment vehicle for accredited investors? I can't remember when they started allowing, syndicators to to accept money from non-accredited investors yeah that that's that's not an issue for me uh because because of those those kind of equity crowdfunding rules that you're referring to uh yeah we've we've been able to vet that and we're comfortable with it I would say if you have not yet listened to episode 219 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, where we interview Jay Scott and do a two hour epic episode on syndications, 
He explains everything. He talks about pitfalls in the invest in in the investment vehicle itself, and he talks about um, the just the general concept, things to look out for, ways to vet your syndicators. And I I agree with Carl. If you don't trust the syndicator, you should not be giving them any money at all. But trusting them isn't enough. You also have to go through the deal and. If it smells too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And right now there's some, what's the word, frothiness in the commercial market. And I'm just concerned that that's going to shake down to the commercial apartment building, you know, the residential apartment building thing as well. So I would just, you know, be, I would, I would just say, be cautious. If I was in your position, I would be really looking at those numbers with a fine tooth comb and you know this doesn't make any sense at all okay then maybe this isn't the right one for me or hey this really does sound good and you ask questions and they have a great answer that makes sense and doesn't just sound like a bunch of fluff then you know maybe it is a great idea um but another option you could think of or, or you could pursue or look into is becoming a private lender Carl and I have been lending money to uh, friends who are doing real estate investments. They, it's it's a similar situation where we know the person. We're lending almost to the person more than the deal. Um, and it's – what are we getting? 11, 10, 11, 12 percent, Carl? 12 percent, which is pretty cheap considering inflation. But they're, they're friends, so I don't want to charge them too much. And 12 percent is a great return. I mean, it's and and we know them. I know that the the person we're interviewing or we're uh, lending money to right now isn't going to leave us hanging. And if he does, we've got a property that we can own in a place that we don't really want to own property. But like, it's a it's a trust thing, and um, that could be another avenue to look at. And you don't have to throw all one eighty five at private lending you can you know you can start small and see how it works out yeah so i actually wanted to ask you about this because the the research that i did on private lending i i struggled with looking at that versus a syndication and getting comfortable with it on a couple of dimensions one is that at least with like a syndicator you've got like a more professional operation with an accredited sponsor that's providing you reporting uh, that's, uh, that has skin in the game with you in this situation. Obviously I know that person, whereas hard, like hard money lending or private lending, it feels like there's another, like, there's another layer of abstraction also with like less information coming to me about like the project and everything. It has to be like a close friend or something that would, uh, that where, where that like, that would make sense relative to like relative to syndication. Like, am I thinking about that right? Because I, I haven't done a ton of research on it. I've just read a bit on private money lending, but it just sounded like, it sounded like a more fly by, <laughs> fly by the seat of your pants kind of syndication investment, honestly. You know, you're not wrong. I think that that's a pretty good way to describe it, but also you control it a lot more. That's how I feel because I know that I am lending to my friend, Bob, and I know that Bob is going to pay me back because Bob's an upstanding person and Bob has done this before. Bob is experienced and I know he's experienced because we've been friends for a long time and I've seen him do his things. Um, 
there are other ways to do private lending where you just give your money to a company and then they lend it out. And there's uh, we Bigger Pockets has a book called Lend to Live, and it's written by Beth Johnson and Alex Brashears. And we interviewed them on episode 328 of this podcast. And that's another great episode to listen to to get more information about the the concept of private lending. One of them lends to the deal. They don't care who's asking for the money. They look at the numbers and they lend only to the deal. And one of them lends more to the person where they look at the person and, oh, I don't know this person or I'm not, I don't have a good feeling about this person. I'm not going to lend to them, that sort of thing. Um, and that is, that's a great episode. And I'm going to send you a copy of the book Lend to Live uh, when we're done with this show. Um, so you can read through it. There's a lot of really great information about private lending. Um, I think it can be a great option for um, a, a great way to diversify your portfolio. And again, it's pretty passive. You do all the work up front, you read their proposal, or you look at their numbers or whatever, and you're like, uh, not a chance or, hey, that looks great. And you, you know, you give, get a little bit more, um, more information. And, you know, ultimately, you have to be comfortable with the investment strategy. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely look into that. I, I feel like I've feel like I don't understand it well enough. Um, and so, yeah, getting smarter on that piece too would be would be awesome. Yeah, I'll send you a copy of that book. Let's move over to Jenna now. Jenna, let's talk a little bit about your business. I'm an artist, so I sell my own work. So I have my originals, but I'm also big in the wedding industry. So I do live event painting. So weddings, fundraisers, galas. So I show up live, I paint for a specific amount of time. And then depending on what the event is, like either the painting stays with the client or I take it home to my studio and finish it and ship it off. Um, I do uh, workshops for corporate clients, private group settings. Um, those are my three, three main buckets. So like wedding, workshop, and my own work. Okay. And what is the process to getting more wedding or workshop clients? So I think for me, um, just doing what I know would be the easiest thing is Pinterest. Like Pinterest is like the wedding, anyone planning a wedding, like just knowing from our my past experience with our wedding, you're on Pinterest, you're looking, you're researching, you're seeing like what vendors are in your area, you're like typing in all these keywords into Pinterest and all these things pop up. So like all my friends that are either event planners or florists are all on Pinterest, like promoting their work by uploading pictures. And I'm just like, I need to do this. I haven't done that. So that's one way I could think about just getting more exposure. Um, I mean, other than just like reaching out and doing like cold call emails and networking events, which I've been doing in the past, we've moved, you know, twice, like one all the way to the uh, other side of the country and back. And I've done a really good job of like just networking myself, but it's a lot of work. And now I have a baby and <laughs> it's really hard to find the time to do all these things I used to do pre-baby. Yes, it's super easy to sit here and tell you all the things that you should be doing. And it's uh, a lot harder to be the one hearing it and be like, oh, yeah, I could totally fit that in around all of the baby stuff. I remember when my babies were little, I thought I would have time to work. Yeah, same. I'm always like, oh, I can do all these things. And then you just it's a it's a lot. It's overwhelming. It's amazing. But it's just for someone that is a business owner, it's it's challenging. So how long would it take to create a look for your Pinterest 
pictures. I know that you know you want to keep a, cre- a cohesive look for all of your branding. Do you have that already? Yeah. So I work. So the great thing about doing the live event painting is I work with like there's photographers on site all the time, and so I get all these beautiful um, professional photos taken of me throughout the event. So I have this like backlog of all these photos, and it's just a matter of uploading and categorizing and really thinking about like keyword explanations that are like searchable on the Pinterest. So I mean, if I just had uninterrupted like time for like maybe a day, I could do it. But for some reason, I just haven't found it. And I think it's on me. So I just (laughs) and I were just talking about time management, it's probably a time management thing. But like if I had a solid two days, it would be it would be up and ready to go. Okay, so Tyler is going to over the course of the rest of this month and all of next month work on giving you a whole day to do this and then a whole another day to do this. And by doing that, he's going to take the baby and and do the diapers and the feeding and the everything so you can focus on this. And so that is Tyler's homework assignment. What day coming up through the rest of this month works that you could do that or even like a half day. I mean, a whole day might be, it might be a little bit much. So like right now, um, our son's in daycare Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So it could even just be like one of those two days. And like, maybe it's like half of each of those three days. I just work on that. Yeah. And that could be just, you know, I know I have to do this actually setting time. Okay. On next Wednesday, I am going to sit down and just collect all of my photographs. And on Friday, I am going to start my Pinterest page and start uploading and I'm going to upload, you know, a 100 pictures or however many you have, uh, you know, start with something that's doable. And you like break it down into chunks because it is uh, it's it's probably overwhelming. And when something is super overwhelming, it's super easy to just be like, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, it's like overwhelming. It's tedious. And for me, what I struggle with is like, I would much rather be doing the fun, creative stuff. And for things like admin doing things like that are just for me, like a little more on the boring side, which are actually really crucial and important for me and my business. Like I just need to carve out time for that. So I will do that. And Tyler will help me, right? (laughs) Yes. Fact. Yeah. And something to consider is hiring a virtual assistant, somebody to upload all the pictures for you, somebody to sort all the pictures for you. This is, you know, what, however you want to break it down, the admin work can be uh, really easy to pass off to somebody else. You have to set up the parameters that you want to make the work in um, or make them work within or ask them to work within. And then uh, sometimes that can be a little difficult to figure out exactly what you need. But when you are very explicit with your directions, that's when things get done the way you want them done. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't even think about a virtual assistant because for me, I'm like, I have to do everything myself. But um, yeah, why not make my life a little bit easier by handing that task off with super clear instructions, which I'm great at doing. So (laughs) that's good. (laughs) So in the next three to five years, Let's talk about your investment philosophy. Index funds are about as passive as you can get. You just put the money in there and then you never have to think about it again. Syndications, we have a syndication episode coming up 
we're bringing Jay Scott back to talk about what to do when your syndication doesn't go all rosy and according to plan. Um, and that's something that I would want you to listen to before you invest in a syndication, because I think that there's going to be some syndications coming up that have some, some uh, challenges. Uh, short-term rentals, you, you mentioned that you have the opportunity to buy your childhood home. That is fantastic. So long as there's actually people who want to rent a property in your childhood city. So you said that there, you did think that there was opportunity there. Um, a really quick homework assignment is just to hop on the short-term rental websites and see if there's any other properties in your city and what their availability is. Because if they're all booked up, that's a great indicator that there could be more opportunity there. But if they've, they're all empty, I would want to know why. That makes sense. Yeah. My, my parents who live there right now, the house is far too big for them. They're both retired and hanging out. Um, they actually Airbnb the entire home from time to time. And when they put it on the market, uh, it, it doesn't stay on for very long. Uh, it's got a really big, pretty view of the mountains and things. And so, um, I think we feel, we feel good about, obviously I built the financial model with a bunch of assumptions on vacancy and all of this stuff. And so we've kind of gone through that analysis and tried to been as uh, tried to be as, as conservative as possible with like vacancy rates with the nightly rate that we're able to charge and the set of expenses and everything. But, um, yeah, yeah, I feel like we're kind of just in assumption mode and trying to validate those assumptions as much as possible, but like we're not going to be able to like truly validate it until we do one of these deals. Uh, I, I feel like um, we're a bit in like analysis paralysis right now with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I have two quick follow up questions about the Airbnb. Number one, would your parents consider holding the note on it? Because that could be a huge benefit for you. And does the house need any updates or can you just turnkey and? rented out on Airbnb right now. My parents are actively considering seller financing for us. They want to keep it in the family and everything. And so they're incentivized to give us like, you know, a reasonable deal and everything. So um, it's a good situation. Uh, and so that's that's definitely possible. And that would improve the cash flow profile if that were the case, obviously. And then in terms of updates, we could buy it and start short-term renting it today if we wanted to, it's well taken care of. Uh, however, I think that there is an opportunity to kind of uh, to drive additional cash flow by creating a second unit in the basement, potentially doing like some hip camps in the backyard. It's on three, uh, it's on three acres, so there's a lot of room for for improvement. Uh, so the, like I'm just yeah, it's it's a good it's a good opportunity if if we can make it work. I think one random comment of, about you, Tyler, is every time you mentioned. Like the syndication or the Airbnb, it looks like you've really done your homework. You're not diving into any of these things blindly. And that's impressive because I don't think a lot of people, some people aren't like that. They're just so hell bent on getting into a rental or whatever deal it is that they don't do all the work, but it looks like you have. And that's great. I'm impressed. Thank you. I appreciate it. That, that is a reason our cash balance is so high as well. <laughs> we haven't been able to deploy any of the cash. So I think it's a double-edged sword, but I appreciate the comment. If short term doesn't work out for this property, what would you do with it? That's a good question. I, I, uh, I think we may look at long term rental, although 
that, that I think it would be di- more difficult to make it cash flow in that scenario. It's a big house too. Like, I, I, I actually not really privy on like even how we would find demand for like a long-term rental for like such a big house. You don't see many big houses like, you know, <laughs> renting for, you know, seven, eight grand a month or something like that. It's, I feel like that's like a, not a common scenario, especially like in, in the, in the town that it is. Um, so there, yeah, in terms of like a, an out, uh, I, we haven't really thought through the contingency on that. Okay. So I would give you another homework assignment of running the numbers as a short-term rental and running the numbers either as a long-term rental the way it is, or what would it cost to turn it into a two-unit property and you know, long-term rent that? What would it cost and what would it rent for on each side if you could do that or top bottom or however you would split it up? Um, I think that would be a good exercise before you purchase the property because you know not every property makes sense even if you can get it at a super low interest rate because your parents are holding the note even if you're getting it at a discount because it was your parents house it that doesn't make it a good rental property that just makes it a good purchase but i mean it doesn't sound like it's near where you're at right now it's not something you would move into it's three hours away uh, so not not a place that we'd want to live. Definitely a place we'd want to go visit, but a place that we wouldn't want to live. Carl, do you have any comments on what you would do, what you would do in their position in the next three to five years investment-wise? Yeah, I think what they're doing is, is super interesting because there's a lot of different balls in the air. And most people aren't, aren't like that either. Most people are hell-bent on real estate or VTSAX. And y'all are just like uh, trying a little bit of everything. But I kind of like that. It's adventurous. On the other hand, it's not like VT- VTSX where it's going to be a slow and steady return. Y'all might knock it out of the park or it could go down in flames. Lots of uh, variability, but you know this already. Well, if you were in their position wanting to get to financial independence in within the next 10 years, starting at – approximately $400,000 with all these different options, what what path would you take? Yeah. Well, I would say, again, that goal is super aggressive. So uh, you're going to have to do some extraordinary things. And it sounds like that might happen. You might have the liquidity event with a company and you might be able to really ramp up the Airbnb, but you're not going to be able to take a conventional path and hope to achieve that. Just no way you're going to have to knock something out of the park and do something crazy. And if that's your uh, tolerance for risk, that's great. Go for it. Yeah. If I was in the same position, I would be looking at index funds because they are passive, which is what you're looking for. They are fairly steady. I mean, I can't past performance is not indicative of future gains, but the, you know, the index funds, I would make the, the foundation of your, investment strategy. And then this short-term rental with your parents' house, once I ran the numbers, it's on three acres. It's in a desirable location. It's a big house that you could rent out. I have a big family and finding a property that can host all of us can be really, really difficult. I think there's like 10 or 15 properties in the nation that can host all of us. So having these big properties is actually pretty uh, attractive for short-term rentals. How many beds can you feasibly 
squeeze into there and get um get a a comfortable place for somebody to stay like you could probably fit a bed in every single room and in the living room and you know bunk beds everywhere and that's not a fun experience but having you know at every couch be a pullout couch and every bedroom and you know in the basement you've got several beds because all the kids can sleep together and you know there's a way to set up this property to make it comfortable to stay at while also maximizing the amount of people you can sleep you can get some pretty high returns on your short-term rental if you can sleep more people, but more people means more wear and tear on your property. So that's something to consider as well. Um, of the three things that you mentioned, index fund syndication investments and short-term rentals, the syndication is my least favorite. And the reason it's my least favorite is because interest rates are so high. And there's a lot of syndicators out there who talk a good game but they don't they don't bring it when they really need to bring it like carl said all of our syndications did better than expected but i think every single one of them did better than expected because of covid nobody predicted covid nobody had this well lots of people predicted but that's another story nobody had this in their projected plan when they were pitching us this syndication. And then in 2020, there's going to be this housing crisis and a big global pandemic. Nobody said that. So all of the numbers were falling short and then COVID bumped them up and made them happen. COVID would have bumped everything up anyway if it was running well. And we had syndications with some some pretty well-known syndicators. So my experience with syndications has not been exceptionally positive, and I'm not excited about syndications right now, but that's me. So that's just me giving you a cautionary tale to really, really re read those numbers that they're sharing with you and just question everything. Make sure it sounds like this is actually legit. And because you're a CPA, because you have this numbers background anyway, I think you would already do that. I'm just giving you a little bit of extra caution that you should really look into those because you know, you don't want to get involved in a bad syndication. That makes a lot of sense. For sure. Okay. Is there anything else that we can help you with today? Uh I'm I'm good on mine. Jenna, you good? Mm -hmm. good. Yeah, no, I really appreciate the the perspective you guys and and helping us think through this. Um Sounds like we have some, we have a little bit of homework and some good books to read and stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dig into it from here. Yeah. I have a couple of homework assignments that I've given you and I'm excited about, I'm really excited about the principles one for Jenna, because that is, it, the sky's the limit on the income potential there. I'll send you a couple of articles and we'll include those in our show notes on this episode as well. But there are, I think I even did a video with uh, Cody Berman about this for the Bigger Pockets Money YouTube channel. So I'll share a link with that as well. Um, but yeah, there's, I think you've got a great financial position. I think you've got a lot of opportunities ahead of you. And I would have heebie jeebies if I had $185,000 in cash. <laughs> so I would say, um, look at what you feel is a comfortable emergency fund. Keep that. Look at the uh, the syndication that you were looking at. You said something like thirty thousand, thirty five thousand for that. Make sure that that's really what where you want that thirty five thousand to go. 
Um, Cause there's, I think there's always going to be opportunities for syndications, but again, this could be a really awesome syndication. There's still a couple of people that I would invest with. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Tyler and Jenna, thank you so much for your time today. And we will talk to you soon. I can't wait to hear about those principles on Jenna's new website.com at Etsy. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, me too. I'll keep you posted. Please do. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Carl, I really enjoyed talking to Tyler and Jenna, and I was pleasantly surprised by their level of research that they've done into each of their anticipated investment strategies. I was really expecting to ask a question and have them be like, oh, I don't know. And they had answers for everything. That was really awesome. That makes me feel great about their options. And, you know, we had a couple of homework projects for them. And I think that once they dive into those a little bit deeper, they're going to just come back with a more solid idea of where they want to put their money. Yeah, they were super impressive. Uh, I was a bit worried that when I saw everything they wanted to do, maybe they saw someone's posts on Instagram and thought, hey, Airbnb is great. But it turns out that's not true. Whenever Tyler brought up any of these things, he talked about all the research he did on it and his spreadsheets. So they're not going into any of these things blindly. They're going into them from a point of a lot of research and a lot of thought. All right, Carl, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy remodeling schedule to talk to me and our guests, Tyler and Jenna, about money. Where can people find out more about you when you're not remodeling bathrooms? Probably will be remodeling bathrooms for the next six months of my life, which is kind of fun. Maybe three months. It won't be that long. <laughs> but they can follow my remodeling exploits at 1500days.com. We put a bidet in, which is greatly, greatly excites me in all the right ways. And uh, my podcast, which is at milehifi.com. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate your time today. And that wraps up this episode of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. He is Carl Jensen. I am Mindy Jensen saying, keep it real, baby seal. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple. And if you're looking for even more money content, feel free to visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash biggerpocketsmoney. Bigger Pockets Money was created by Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Exodus Media. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Lastly, a big thank you to the Bigger Pockets team for making this show possible. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions.